This program is intended for informational and educational purposes only. All views and opinions expressed are the views and opinions of the individuals and sponsors presenting them, and not the LTB network. Enjoy the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. This is Sex and Science Hour, Episode 7. Welcome to the show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Stephanie. You're Brian. Of course. Thank you for joining us today. Sex and Science Hour is on the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network. We are so happy to be here. And we have an email address. Okay, so uh, <laughs> this is going to be a show that's full of listener emails because A, we've been getting too many listener emails to kind of fit into the show oh, in definitely. a graceful way. So this is just going to be packed with listener emails. And uh, second of all, I w- by the time this airs, um, I'm actually going to be out of town. So you're gonna, we're actually pre-recording this show. Yeah, way ahead of time. So since we can't predict the future, we're just going to do timeless stuff and uh, hope that you enjoy it. This isn't really a news show anyway. You know, sometimes we do have news articles, but they're not particularly timely news. It's not current events. I mean, this is just, this is fun. Yeah, exactly. We didn't, you know, when we started the show, we really didn't want to do like anything serious. Like I couldn't handle doing another serious show. (laughs) I'm already a part of several serious podcasts, which is great. I love being taken seriously and everything, but I need some silly time too. So sex and science hour is the time to unwind and have fun. And I hope you like that too. But yeah, we can't really handle doing a current events show because, you know, we're busy people. We can't always record, um, you know, every week, right the day before it comes out or whatever. Right. So bear with us and hope you enjoy the show anyway. I think people like it. We've been getting a lot of good feedback from our listeners. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we get so many emails. I mean, a lot of people are listening. A lot of people have a lot they want to say, and I love it. Yes. Even if they disagree. I love it. Even if they disagree or even if they have complaints, that's fine with us. And this this first email that I want to talk about is a complaint. Uh, So brace yourself, Brian. This is a theme that's been coming up on the show a lot. Um, He starts off by saying, and this is from uh, Steve, Stephen. And uh, for, he starts off by saying that he freaking loves our show. So thank you, Stephen. We freaking love you, too. Yes, we do. <laughs> but then he says that it sounds like um, he was really excited to listen to the episode where, which we had titled Sadoji Nakamoto, ah. where we talked about your friend who had posted on Facebook that she was a Doge millionaire. And yes. we were skepti- very skeptical of that claim because... How, you know, the market cap is only like $70 million. <laughs> so right. she would have to have a lot of Doge, hence then she would have to be Sadoji Nakamoto, the creator of Doge, right. <laughs> <laughs> which isn't really the creator of Doge. No. I don't know who it is, but it's not Sadoji Nakamoto. Bill okay. That was something. just a joke. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Bill Gates? No, 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 no. Not even. No. <laughs> Bill Doge? <laughs> anyway, um, so he was listening to that episode and he was really excited because he is part of the Dogecoin community. But he said that the time we spent discussing Doge was very disappointing. Our statements were rooted in ignorance rather than truth, uh, almost like the way that the mainstream media covers Bitcoin. 
And he said, while Dogecoin was conceived and brought into existence purely as a joke, it has evolved into so much more than that. The fact is that the Dogecoin subreddit did indeed rally behind a fundraiser by the Dogecoin Foundation to send the Jamaican bobsled team to Sochi. Over 27 million Doge were amassed at the address and uh, converted to fiat via Bitcoin for a donation of over 30,000 US dollars. If that wasn't enough, upon hearing the that the Indian loser Shiva Keshavan would want would also not have the funds to get to Sochi. The community managed to raise 4.5 million doge in about seven days in order to contribute over 6,000 U.S. dollars. Although the Indian Ministry of Sports ended up pulling through and funding their trip, the money was then forwarded to Doge for Kids, another Dogecoin Foundation initiative in support of the of Four Paws for Ability, which probably does like um, uh, helper dogs. What are they called? The guide guide dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So while our community may be relatively unknown beyond Reddit and our currency denominations may require too many zeros to express any value, which might not be a bad thing, we do very real fundraising work and that is no joke. You can see what else the Dogecoin Foundation is currently working on here. I look forward to seeing next week's episode. P.S. This email contains solely my opinion and should not be construed as any statement of opinion by r slash Dogecoin or the Dogecoin Foundation. There's a Dogecoin Foundation? Yes. I, uh, okay. All that sounds so nice. and It's I, so nice. Yes, I agree. And Stephen, we're sorry. Okay. Perhaps our statements were rooted in ignorance. However, I'm going to defend being skeptical of everything because when I hear a when I hear an article that says, oh, yeah, we sent the Jamaican bobsled team to the Olympics, that sounds like... BS. I mean, it sounds like a joke. Well, it I sounds mean, like a movie, which it was. Right. We've heard this movie before, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. And so I was, uh, you know, I thought, oh, it must be a joke before that. And we actually tried investigating this. We couldn't find a video. We couldn't I barely find... found a video. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we couldn't really find much that verified it. So, you know, uh, in the spirit of being kind of skeptical of everything and not uh, tr- trying not to be too credulous, lest you get fooled, scammed or st- or made to look like an idiot, uh, we decided to err on the side of caution and not believe the story. Uh, but perhaps he's saying it's really true. But, like, I I can't believe, I, I really, like you know, I feel so bad because if this is all true, then you have my highest respect. Please yes. make no mistake. Good but for you. I still don't know that even any of that's all real. <laughs> you think his, You think he's making up the whole email? I don't know. Because, I mean, you should have seen, like this one friend of mine, you should have seen what she wrote up. And a whole bunch of people that don't know anything about Bitcoin, let alone Dogecoin, mm-hmm. were like, wow, how did this happen? And they weren't joking around. Such, I, know wow. who they, I know who they are. These people are in their 60s. You know, and they have no idea what she's talking about. Some of them were younger, though, and they yeah. still didn't know what she, what she was talking about. And she just kept playing it up. And like, that's cont- part of the fun. With Doge, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and, and continuing with her, you know, her, her play, uh-huh. you know, her, her, she, she said, yeah, we even sent a Jamaican bobsled team and all this stuff. So and it so was like, mixing up with things that weren't obviously that may not true. Be true and that clearly aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? But I just, with the whole Dogecoin thing, I don't know what to believe. I just, I avoid it. Yeah. It's one of those things that makes me say, say, I don't know what's real. I mean, I, okay. I'm. I'm going to say right now, I'm willing to give, I'm willing to say, yeah, they did do all that fundraising and that's great. Thank you so much. It's really important to do cryptocurrency charitable projects and I really value them. Thank you, Doge community. 
and they are cool. Like they're fun. They they make funny tweets and haha, cute memes and so forth. To the moon. That's great. And they have raised the awareness of cryptocurrency. Totally. Sure. Sure. I mean, I, I give them credit for that. And I, I'm totally willing to credit. And I'll even believe I'll believe that that story. You know, if if he says that's true, um, I don't think I would donate to a fundraiser to send the Jamaican bobsled team to the Olympics just no. because just because it's I don't want to get scammed. You know, like it's it, there's a certain amount of self-protection involved in kind of the skepticism of not believing stuff because, you, you know, you don't want to look like an idiot. You don't want to get fooled. Right. But uh, I'm trying to understand like that one. OK, to mm-hmm. sending the Jamaican bobsled team. Like if yeah, the why Bitcoin, do if why the, do something that sounds like a joke if, if it's the Bitcoin, not a joke? Right, if the Bitcoin community wouldn't get behind that, why would the Doge community? Like I don't, I don't, because the Doge community, I assume, is a very small part, a small percentage of the Bitcoin community. Mm-hmm. Okay, and in fact, they're like the next level because you know they're 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 very much into the crypto stuff and all that. And I just I have a hard time believing that 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 the Jamaican bobsled team would interest them at all. You know, like I, I, I don't get it. I don't see the Bitcoin, you know, you know what I mean? I don't see the Bitcoin community being yeah, rah, rah Olympics, rah, rah sports, you know, uh, maybe that's just my, you know, my, uh, my, yeah, my aspect, my You're, view. That's your two doge, yeah. two doges. Yeah. Well, he does, he did send links in his email, so we'll put the links in the yeah. show notes and everything. So he, we, he's got some stuff to back it up. So Stephen, thank you for your email. Thank you for not writing off our show because we were perhaps a little ignorant or a little bit cautiously skeptical about Doge. We did try to research it, but, you know, we're busy. We can't verify every single claim that we read on the Internet. So uh, we, we appreciate your thoughts. And uh, Brian, did you hear that China, speaking of ridiculous stuff, China has banned um, QR codes, buying stuff with QR codes. I heard which something is bad about for this. Bitcoin. That's... So the the idea is that, you know, when people scan a QR code, a QR code for anybody who doesn't know is like a barcode, but with your phone, you scan this funny looking square and it tells your phone some information. And, you know, it is possible that uh, sometimes Bitcoin addresses or other payment information is encoded in those and you would scan it to pay. Uh, or, you know, you could do virtual credit card type thing, which uses um, QR codes, which is apparently there was, was some company in China who who was th- saying that they're going to do that. But they were concerned that sometimes QR codes could contain like some scammy information or take people to a fake website or somehow scam them out of their money or steal their info. Sure. I could I could see that. Um, you know, the the way they can just like outlaw an image. Yeah, that's is, nuts. Is can you scary. believe that? It's yeah. just like, a, I, I mean, that's a pretty big area of free speech to be just bringing the hammer down on, you know, right. QR codes. Sure. You know, you could say anything you want with a QR code. Maybe you could encode some scammy information that was meant to defraud people, but the fraud is the thing to worry about, not the QR code, you know, like there's, (laughs) it's just another example of sort of a blanket ban on a certain technology that is neutral and can be used for a lot of different things. And they say, Oh no, it could be used for bad. So we're going to ban everything. Yeah, I mean, all it really takes, you know, I mean, there's a simple fix for this as far as for Bitcoin goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's as simple as you just create, you know, you use something, a technology like Google Translate where it can accurately read, uh, you know, words and thus it could scan, you know, instead of a QR code, it could just scan the physical address, mm. you know, as it is and then just 
input that into mm. a wallet, you know, on the phone. Somehow I doubt that um, people are just going to say, oh, okay, I'm going to stop using my Bitcoin wallet. I'm going to not use the yeah. QR code. Somehow I doubt that that's no, actually that, going to happen. That's not happening. I mean, the, the virtual credit card thing, I mean, this is happening with like uh, gift card mm-hmm. companies like Gift and eGifter. Well, uh, I mean, a virtual credit card could be more secure than a real credit card. I think so. I mean... What what other mechanism of payment is there like, hey, you know, you need this account number and the information uh, on this card to uh, pull transactions out of this account. And here's all the information. I'll just give it to anyone I want to send a payment to. And it never changes. And, you know, credit cards get stolen all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, that that's one of the advantages to this is that, you know, if your phone gets stolen, it's easy enough to have software that wipes your phone mm-hmm. or to even like call your carrier and your carrier will wipe it for you. Granted, right. I understand the, the end, of, end of the line security concerns about that one. Mm. But, you know, if someone steals your credit card, they've got a, you know, you can wipe your phone pretty instantaneously or your phone can be locked. Yeah, but that's where your credit card is not locked. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got a pin number, but that's normally for debit functions, not credit functions. So this is a huge leap in security, in my opinion, to the good doing virtual credit cards. The uh, security solutions are going to be technological, right? They're not going to come from just banning it. Um, it, The the solutions that bring greater security are also going to be technological. So, uh, remote wipes on phones right. and uh, uh, defense software that right. will tell you whether you're really visiting an actual website and SSLs or certificates and all that crap. So, you know, the the solution is not to bring down the hammer. Um, but the good news is that I don't think people will actually stop using QR codes anytime soon. No, or they Bitcoin. Won't. In yeah, China. they won't. And, and this is a meaningless because, like I yeah. said, you could just like as Russia easily ban yeah. Bitcoins. I mean, fine, you ban QR codes, then you'll just have the number for your credit card and the info on the screen, and uh, you know you'll you'll use that and you'll just scan those numbers, you know, instead of an actual QR code. Uh, QR codes just make it make it neat. You know, yeah, I mean, they just make it easy. I mean, I use them yeah. for virtual business cards and stuff. That's a useful yeah. use of a QR code. Yeah, but there's plenty of ways to still do the same tech, the same virtual credit cards and all that without QR codes. This isn't going to mm, stop In a anything. much more secure way. Sure. <laughs> so speaking of uh, people being taken to websites that they may not have expected, there must be a lot of people getting defrauded with porn QR codes in uh, in the southern U.S. in the Bible Belt. No. Because apparently uh, some analysis has shown uh, from Pornhub, which is one of the biggest porn sites in the world, that uh, there are the, <laughs> the, the Bible Belt region of the U.S. has the most uh, hits as far as Pornhub viewers. What? The majority, and actually it's um, the most hits in gay porn. So Pornhub reports that the majority of states with a high percentage of Gay viewers is in the South. Okay. Now you see, look, Satan has to work extra hard in the Bible <laughs> belt. Okay. That's, that's Must what's be working going on. overtime, right? He is, he is bringing on the, uh, the, you know, the, the gay white man <laughs> that. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. We saw an article from a, a church saying that the white homo demons were coming for people. Right. And anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the point about this is I just I think it's kind of it's ironic, right? Because um, these are places that are generally considered to be 
uh, kind of culturally hostile to homosexuality and bastions to of conservatism, bastions of religious conservatism, which is, you know, very much against homosexuality. And there are lots of people there more than average uh, in other regions who are watching gay porn. So how many of those people are are closeted? Does he protest too much? Right? Is what is that like? Doth he, he protest too much? Yeah, yeah, he who does protest too much, right? Yeah. Uh, the hypocrisy just never ends with this I, kind of thing. I bet Pornhub fudged the numbers. You think it's a conspiracy, yeah, those Brian? Packers. I don't know. I mean, it would be convenient for this, you know, progressive <laughs> atheist to have this statistic, but I mean, to me, it's just sad because yeah. people should be able to come out of the closet and not feel shame about what they like, no matter where they are. I agree. Let's I agree. get to that world. That's where I want to live. More coming up on Sex and Science Hour. Sex and Science Hour is part of the Let's Talk Bitcoin network, and we are so excited. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What's Bitcoin? What's Bitcoin? What's Bitcoin? Well, you'll have to listen to Let's Talk Bitcoin to find out. It's a twice-weekly podcast, and you can find it at letstalkbitcoin.com. Okay, I gotta know. Yeah, you really should probably get on that. It has a whole network? Yeah, we're part of it. How did I not know about this? You must have missed the memo that we were on their network. Anyway, now back to Sex and Science Hour. Here at Sex and Science Hour, we love EasyDNS. They let you register domains, handle security for your website, email addresses, pretty much anything related to DNS or domain names, they can do it. They have a friendly staff of actual human beings, so if you need customer support, they will always be there for you. Plus, they are outspoken advocates for your internet freedom. And they take Bitcoin, of course. They now have fully managed WordPress and web hosting too, so you can do everything you need related to your website from EasyDNS. Take a look at their website at EasyDNS.com. We think you'll like what you see. Trust EasyDNS.com for your DNS and web hosting needs. Now back to Sex and Science Hour. This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. I know it's a, it really, it's got to be everybody's favorite hour of the week by now. I hope so. I mean, some people probably are not going to like some of the things that we talk about and you can't please everyone. Okay. You're a sucker for trying. We have our own opinions. We're not claiming to be objective so-called journalists. No, never claiming objectivity. This is an opinion show. You may not agree with our opinions, but uh, it is great fun to discuss them on the air with you all. And we do love love your emails. Yes, have fun with us. I mean, you can disagree and still have fun. You know, I I mean, that's just how it works. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So uh, Zach wrote in, we got an email from Zach. Uh, talking about a comment that was made by Brian when he said that sex is like pizza and even when it's bad, it's good. (laughs) He said, personally, I think that sex can leave one feeling worse than before and much the same way a bad pizza gives me a stomach ache and heartburn. (laughs) I think communication is key when it comes to any relationship, especially a sexual one. We all have different needs, likes and dislikes. And if we don't let each other know, we will be doomed to a life of bad pizza. Here, here, Zach. I couldn't have said that better. That's yeah, a great I, I'll, I'll agree with him. I'll agree with him on that, that uh, there, there is sex that can be bad. Yeah, and it can, <laughs> it can leave you feeling worse than before. It, it, it's absolutely true that um, not all sex is good, right? Like, like the saying was that some uh, sex is like pizza, even when it's bad, it's good. Right. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that either. <laughs> I think you just said that to be cute. But. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, definitely there's times where, you know, I'm, I'm a really sex positive person, but mm-hmm. certainly there are times where, 
you know, maybe after the fact or even during, you just realize, what am I doing? You know, why am I doing this? And the mm. reasons are not, uh, you know, good. Yeah. So. so how do you recover from that? How do you come back from a sort of negative sexual experience? I mean, of course, you know, now we're getting into an area that might be kind of a downer, which is that, of course, not all sex is consensual. People can be forced into it. And that's, sure. you know, that's going to take a lot to um, come back from. And sure. it's going to take some conscious effort to heal from that, uh, especially if it's on abuse or, or whatever. Um, but I mean, what about just like bad sex? Like, how do you how do you recover from it? I can't speak from experience. <laughs> You've never had a bad experience. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. That's a fair answer, Brian. <laughs> that's a fair answer. Uh, Zach also said he really uh, appreciated our show because it's it's refreshing to hear people talk in a relaxed and honest way about sex and matters thereof. So um, and well, that's the best thing I like to hear. I like to hear that. Yeah. He says, I wish it was more commonplace in our society where sex is such a taboo subject to speak openly while gratuitous violence is practically shoved down our throats as a necessary factor of life wholeheartedly agree it yeah. is one of the most annoying things that in oh the double standard yeah. in movies and tv uh, you know show show a nipple or some pubic hair and oh my god it's rated x we can't let the children yeah. see this but you know blowing people up you know body parts strewn everywhere saving private ryan and so many other violent oh, movies. Yeah. uh yeah. it's it's all fine and good it's pg-13 yeah i mean the fact that like you know, military, a lot of military men are, are praised as heroes and then prostitutes are degraded Oh yeah, you know, as being the slime of the earth. Well, uh, that doesn't go, make any sense. When you go to a movie, it even starts before the movie because they have ads for the military and National Guard before every movie. Oh, yeah. I yeah. don't think I, that's one of the reasons I don't go see movies in theaters because there is just so much military worship. Yeah. And then, then people will say, oh, but, you know, in the movies there's so much sex. It's like, well, yeah, but hold on. Like, depending on the rating of the movie, like, they, they literally, in these, you know, because we're, we're, you have to take the movie to the MPAA where they essentially judge, okay, what rating is this going to get? Mm. And they count the humps. <laughs> literally. You wow. know, like, like they, they... Well, you got to have standards, Brian. Right, they I mean... scrutinize the sex so much, <laughs> you know, as to where with the violence... Very little scrutiny. I mean, like it depends on how many, you know, how many organs get shown or how much to bits a person gets blown away. I mean, it, it the scrutiny doesn't even compare to it's like, okay, the sex, we, wow. we got to count the hubs. Uh, how many people have sex in this movie? All this stuff when there's no regard for body count in mm. a film, you know, it's, it, 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 it is, it's a double standard. It's annoying. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I agree. Like it does desensitize you when you constantly see violence and film and tv and that's that's really sad because i think a lot of people are walking around very very desensitized to violence in oh the sure US here and, and you know and and the the really for me the worst part is the combination mm -hmm. that often happens the combination of sex and violence oh when, like glamorizing the violence yeah 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 or that sex is a reward for violence oh yeah uh, when they're they're diametrically opposed actions mm -hmm. completely in my opinion now people want to say oh human nature is this 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 and we can have that conversation if someone wants to email about that okay. we're just as close but, to bonobos as we are to chimps exactly you know, that's what people claim oh humans closest relatives chimpanzees and they eat each other and beat like rip each other's arms off well we're just as close in terms of genetics to bonobos and they 
are completely nonviolent, and in fact, they have sex for fun and bonding yeah, among the tribe. Yeah, it's a social, uh, social act. Mm-hmm. It's not even, for them, their primary purpose of, of, of sex mm-hmm. and, and erogenous actions are social, not uh, you know, not, not reproduction. Oh yeah. it's definitely not reproduction. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I think there are other kinds of monkeys too. Uh, I think I want to say it was like rhesus monkeys or some other kind of monkeys Mm -hmm. that actually will trade, like the monkeys do this kind of version of prostitution where the female will have sex with males who will like groom her and brush her hair. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Prostitutes. (laughs) those dirty monkeys are gonna burn in hell selling for sex (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess uh because prostitution is is not natural of course we need to stop it by forcing them into church yeah see our last show for that yeah it's called the oldest profession for a reason (laughs) (laughs) anyway brian um there's a study that's come out speaking of the children and protecting the children from anything that might hurt their sensitive eyes and ears um There's a study that's come out about um, parenting and happiness, which I thought this was really interesting, actually. And it looked at the question, does having a baby bring more fulfillment to parents? And if so, um, how do mothers and fathers see their roles in raising the child? So this study was by the Pew Research Center, a big, you know, big mainstream research organization. You could probably criticize some stuff about their methodology, but Let's just say they had a large sample size. Uh, that that it seems to be true. And what they found was that um, couples with children versus couples without children were just just as happy. So Great. I I think that's pretty cool. I mean, so what that says to me is having a child does not necessarily you know make you happy unless perhaps you wanted to have one. Okay. And not having a child doesn't make you unhappy. That's kind of a popular myth, isn't it? It's like, oh, if, yeah, that you, if you don't have children, you're, you're going to be unfulfilled. Right. We had somebody comment to us. So you and I are together and we are yes. child-free by choice. This is a conscious choice. We do not want to have kids. And right. we've thought a lot about it and come out with that decision and are happy with that. We had somebody post to us on Facebook that if you don't have children, you're just turning food into poop. You have no purpose in life. <laughs> I'll never forget that. So, Brian, do you feel like you're just turning food into poop no. with no meaning in your life I, without having children? I feel so fulfilled. Uh, uh, yeah, I feel great. Like there are, a, to me, there are a lot of things that I would like to do in my life, and there are things that that I want to do and that I want to have a chance to uh, experience and uh, work at and master and so forth. And Having children just doesn't fit in with that. I'm not, I like children, I respect them, and I think they're people, which is more than some people think about them. Yeah. I mean, uh, but I just don't want them. Yeah. The things I wish to do in life, the things I do in life are antithetical to allowing me to properly take care of a child. A child requires, okay, and this so is so much attention. So much attention. So much time. Rightfully so. Mm-hmm. If you want this child to grow up healthy, emotionally, physically, um, you know, and, and I am not willing to, you know, do a, do a, a, a half butt job on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I refuse. Um, or to sacrifice your time that you right. want to use for yourself. Right. And so my choice in not having a child is actually an incredible, in, in my opinion, is a choice in favor of children. It's a pro 
child decision. Yes, that I feel I am, the same way yeah, about it. That I am not. I am not against children by not having children. I am for them in that I will not bring a child. You don't into, want to screw one up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're like they're like butterfly wings. Yeah. I mean, once touched, you know, you, there there's a problem there. Yeah. Oh, and you, absolutely. And, and you've really. You know, you can't get off the ground. You've got to be so, so cautious. And I do not wish to damage any human being, you know, child or not. But I just, I have no desire for that. And so my, so our decision, in my opinion, is actually very pro-child. I think so too. And it's very conscious. I mean, a lot of people do in the U.S., um, the rate of unplanned pregnancy is about 50%. So like half of all pregnancies are unintended. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean... I always say, well, what do they think is going to happen if it's two people, a man and a woman having sex, you know, right. what, what, what does that lead to? Right. right? I mean, but, uh, yeah, apparently there are a lot of, there are a lot of children out there who are unplanned yeah. and sometimes they end up being children. Sometimes they end up, uh, being abortions or miscarriages. Right. Uh, but I think we could all stand to maybe be a little more conscious about our reproductive choices and activities that might lead to reproduction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it, that's the thing, you know, and if you want to go, you know, as like a guy, I'll speak as a guy, if you want to have, a, you know, a very, uh, you know, sexually free life, you know, to where you're not quote unquote tied down or whatever, or, you know, you're, you're having multiple partners, uh, you know, consider getting snipped. I mean, I, I got snipped. That's a foolproof way yeah, to I mean, prevent I, unintended pregnancies right, from I, the women that you have sex with. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with choosing that kind of lifestyle. Nothing wrong with that at all. Just maybe you might want to consider a vasectomy because it's not fair to put that, your lifestyle choice onto a woman yeah. who may get tied down with a child. I and, wish that there were more better options for men because well, I, th- I think men are a little disempowered when it comes to birth and birth control. Because really, what what have they got? Condoms, okay. That not everybody likes them, or it may not be ideal for everybody's right. situation. Beyond that, vasectomy. I mean, vasectomy is very popular, but it is very permanent too. And there are technologies out there. The technology totally exists to do reversible vasectomies by injecting a polymer into the vas deferens instead of right. cutting it. And look, that's very hard to reverse. Right. Um, you can eject a polymer that lasts for five years. Or it's totally reversible. It can be dissolved with another injection, right. non-invasive, you know, just a little prick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and that would be a great solution for many men. But um, the research and development, I don't know, it's not going forward. There was a, a foundation who was trying to fund it privately because no pharmaceutical companies would do the research to develop that. Yeah, it's an odd thing, and I don't want to call it conspiracy or anything, but it's an odd thing how society really hasn't done anything to help, you know, males keep from reproducing. Mm. Done a lot, you know, towards women. I think they look at it as women's responsibility. Yeah, well, that's which, a problem. Yeah, I, I would like everybody to be empowered yeah, about their reproductive choices. And I swear we'll talk about Bitcoin in a moment here on Sex and Science Hour. There's more coming up. Sex and Science Hour is looking for sponsors. We do our best to do an entertaining show that is heard by thousands of people each week. Do you have a project, business, product, or service that could match our audience's interests? Let us know. Contact Brian at letstalkbitcoin.com to find out more. That's Brian with an I at letstalkbitcoin.com.
Here at Sex and Science Hour, we really appreciate your support. We've received tips from listeners, not just in Bitcoin, but with other altcoins. Those are always listed in our show notes in case you want to send us a tip, which we thank you for very, very much. If you don't have Bitcoins, altcoins, or you just want to send us a tip in a way that's free to you, all you have to do is click on something, then you can help us out. Simply do your normal shopping on Amazon through our Amazon affiliate links. Those are listed in our show notes, and we've got Amazon US, UK, and Canada for you. Thank you so much for all your support. And now, back to the show. This is Sex and Science Hour. We've been talking a lot about sex and a little bit about science this episode. And I think now it's time to talk about Bitcoin. Maybe we should have called the show Sex, Science, and Bitcoin Hour, but that didn't really flow. Yeah, then it doesn't have the great acronym of SESH. Yeah. Sex and Sex Science, and science hour. hour. I sash. love that. Sash. <laughs> yeah, it has that sachet. Sachet. <laughs> uh, anyway, we are on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network, and a lot of our focus, you know, part of science oh, is you, technology, of course, and part of technology is Bitcoin, something we're very excited about, right? We should have called the show Sex, Litecoin, and Science. Then it would have been slash. <laughs> that's good. You keep on thinking of those acronyms, Brian. Yeah, that's pretty clever. Yeah. I have to say I like that. But <laughs> I want to talk about decentralized exchanges because that's okay. been something that a lot of people have had on their minds lately in terms of virtual currencies. We've seen all kinds of big problems with uh, the big centralized exchanges like Mt. Gox, of course, oh, but yeah. not just Mt. Gox. Of course, there have been a lot of exchanges that have had funds seized, that have had hacks, that have had customer withdrawal issues. Um, and Mt. Gox is probably the most famous, but there certainly have been others. Right. And in a world where we now have a currency, a virtual currency that allows us to send payments anywhere in the world without asking anyone permission and uh, just send money as easily as you would send an email to anywhere, uh, why, and it's done in a decentralized fashion, of course, why do we have um, so many centralized exchanges, which are central points of failure and regulation and theft and all the other problems that come with centralization? Well, I mean, as to the question of why, I think uh, this is actually a, a problem in the cryptocurrency world, is that a lot of the cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin included, mm -hmm. are just finding out a way to transpose the legacy banking system or legacy financial systems, not necessarily banking, uh, into the digital realm. Mm. And they're trying to do it in a more efficient way, maybe in a trustless way. They're trying to be a slightly better J.P. Morgan or right. Bear Stearns. And that's unfortunate because the exciting thing to me about blockchain technology is that it eliminates those. It has the potential to eliminate those structures. Mm -hmm. It has the potential to eliminate those institutions. And I say do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there, there's so many institutions that like let it go away like slavery because it, it, it in many ways it's not very different. Uh, you know, in I that, it agree. <laughs> yeah, and so let it go. So these centralized exchanges, I think it's just, you know, maybe this is just part of the evolution, you know, of of the of the financial system of the, of digital economies. I think it is. I think that's yeah. inevitably where inevitably where it's going. A lot of people have been working on decentralized exchanges right. for several months now, and right. we're starting to see some of them come to fruition. 
So, I mean, as a roundup of that, we've got, of course, Next, which has built into its protocol a, de- a decentralized exchange. It's a prototypical one. I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Uh, you can't do grand, impressive things on it really yet, but, you know, it definitely has the potential to involve evolve into that. Yeah, and it's the first one out there pretty much uh, yeah. for what it is. Uh, Just a couple of days before we're recording this show, uh, we also had MasterCoin who launched a distributed... A, the, <laughs> yeah distributed exchange dex yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a distributed exchange uh they've got like a video tutorial up and they've got like a software that you can download um do distributed exchange of master coins uh we also have this company metalair who's really um they i'm really excited they don't have their product out yet mm-hmm. but apparently they have a lot of the code laid down for it and I talked to uh, Jonathan Terrell from Metalair, and he explained how it's going to work. And that was the one I was actually most excited about. That was seemed like the most concrete. It was well laid out, solid, uh, very well thought out. Uh, and I like that. Uh, what else? What other well, distributed I think shares could do a lot of this stuff. And, oh, of and course, it can, and yeah. it can actually do it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as because bit shares will allow, I mean, next in Ethereum, they allow for this too to some degree to where they can attach to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but bit shares has definitely got it going on, uh, as far as you know, they're, they're more that or less like ready a to big go. Central, um, uh, perk of bit shares is, is their decentralized exchange. That's their first project, their first stack, right. right? Right. So, you know, that's exciting. There's plenty of people. I mean, it's here. It can be pulled off. It's just it, for most people, it's in test net. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm apparently master coins is not in test net, but I'm not it's, clear on that. It's sort of, it's sort of, um, it's like a half and half. I, I mean, it's live, but it doesn't seem like it's very super well established. And, you can still, um, oh, they're testing like a web wallet that they're developing and they've got right. a test server for that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's live, but it's new. That's right. basically the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, next, you know, next, uh, their, their, their asset exchange is on the test net. You know, mm-hmm. that's not live yet. It beat Ethereum's everybody to in the, the punch. Net. BitShares, yeah. do they have anything you can well, test Ethereum's yet? Ethereum's barely or? test net. Nothing yeah. against Ethereum. I'm just saying. That's, right. They it, yeah. It's not ready yet it's for not prime there. time. but. Yeah. What about BitShares? I mean, are do they have anything that you can actually use at this point? Or uh, well, they have. They at least have the system that you can start buying into, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess you could say you can do with Next, right, and Mastercoin. But uh, I mean, you have Bit Angels, or or not not Bit. Oh, Angels, the Angel uh, Shares, Angel Shares, Bit Shares, and and Bit Shares PTS. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I I would say that if one distributed exchange is good, then more than one distributed exchange is even better. Well, we, don't yeah. want it, we don't want all the traffic to be centralized, even if it's on a distributed exchange. Yeah, I mean, right? and I even like, like I interviewed Brian Page and he said, look, there's room. From BitShares. From BitShares. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, look, you know, there's room for all of this, you know, for all these different companies. There doesn't just have to be one, uh, which is interesting because I haven't heard the other company, like, like I'd never heard MasterCoin say that they're okay with competition. Mm. Um, BitShares has. I haven't. I've yet to hear really Ethereum say that either. Uh, but I think they've said that. Maybe they have. Yeah, yeah, I've heard them say that. I think. Yeah. So, but I mean, but but the. I guess the only advantage with BitShares is that you can actually get claim a stake in it right now. Right. Uh, and like for what it is, as to where these other guys, you know, they still gotta gotta like have it out there and prove it 
you know, that that's what they're doing because it's not all they're doing. It's where it's like with BitShares, it's kind of all they're doing. Right. Is a, is a, is a distributed exchange of sorts. I mean, it's well, not all, you... it, oh, it's so complex. We're <laughs> moving know. into a totally new world. The I've... legacy system is going away. That's what I was going <laughs> to, I was going to bring up. Do you think in six months, all the trading is going to be taking place on decentralized exchanges? Because I can kind of see where that's going, but it may take a little while for people to get used to that idea and to get comfortable with it because they are used to doing trading on centralized, you know, like they're used to the New York Stock Exchange, right? Yeah, I don't know if it'll be in six months, Mm -hmm. um, but in pretty short order. You know, I, I could see this this really happening and, and taking off. I mean, even Ethereum, when Ethereum gets launched, it's like a year before you get anything out of that. Right. According to the last understanding I've had of, of how that's going to work. So there's time. You know, this, is, this stuff's going to take time. But it's in place, which is incredibly exciting. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And I can't wait to see what else takes place on distributed exchanges. I mean, it opens up a whole new world for all types of financial trading, but also for, um, you know, exchanging of uh, like services and connecting people with one another uh, across the world for, for exchanges of services, maybe through like a proxy or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know what? I'll go out on a limb if you're open to me being really far out. This is the first time I'm ever going to say this on an audio recording is that I, I, yeah, I think, (laughs) Uh, and and people are probably going to email me like crazy saying, oh, you don't understand MasterCoin or you don't understand Ethereum or whatever. And maybe fine. we don't understand. <laughs> yeah, too well, maybe maybe not. hard to understand. <laughs> maybe not. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty smart guy, but maybe I don't get it. Anyway, the, the, the limb I'm going to go out on is that the way that decentralized exchanges and a lot of these ideas like Ethereum Next and BitShares are, are talking about, uh, and I love them all, is that they may actually eliminate what we know of as money. Mm. Like even Bitcoin, you know, like blockchain technology is so much more than a currency. Andreas Antonopoulos has said this in the past. Right. And he's absolutely right. It is so much more. We may get to the point where, you know, the reason money was developed uh, was so that, you know, you could actually trade a flint arrowhead for a shovel. Or, you know, or, you know, so that you didn't have to trade those things anymore because you can't split a shovel in half and, and a flint arrowhead isn't worth a shovel. So you had to come up with a medium of exchange. That's why money was invented. Okay? Right. But now we may get to the point with blockchain technology where you would actually give a person a tenth of a percentile of your car as payment. Mm, yeah. Okay? Ownership of it. Right. You, you Where they have like a stake in your mm. car. Yeah, through and, something like colored coins or so, a similar concept. Well, that, that's what all these ideas and tokens very much that are. represent tokens, ownership right. of, a, of a physical good or asset or whatever. Right. So the idea of money as we know it, you know, as like as in the accumulation of wealth, the accumulation of like dollar bills, that may go away. I'm going out on a limb on that. That's a really far out idea. I totally understand. But, uh, but I think that's where a lot of this technology is, is leading towards. You know, to where, you know, you, what you have is literally based upon what you own, not on the accumulation of numbers. Mm. So anyway, just tossing that out there. Brian, I love it when you go out on a limb. It's risky. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> you know, if you don't take risks, we'll never get, uh, we'll, well never get known for anything. Risk we'll, is the spice of life. No <laughs> doubt about right. that. I take risks all the time. And I failed at times, but boy, is it. Is it worth it? Well, you don't want to be neutral, especially when it comes to the net. And speaking of which, that was a terrible seg- <laughs> segue. I have a question about net neutrality, which I was desperately trying to segue into. So are you ready for this, Brian? Let's do it. 
Um, okay, Joe writes in and says, I was just listening to your latest Free Talk Live, which is Brian and I's uh, other project. On Sunday nights, we host the nationally syndicated radio show Free Talk Live. And yep. by the way, if you want to call us and talk to us live, you can call Free Talk Live at uh, freetalklive.com on Sunday nights. Get the details there. Yeah, we're not on the other six nights. It's a seven night show, and mm-hmm. but we are on Sunday nights. And you can call in asking questions about what you heard on this show. Mm-hmm. That's okay. We're all the hosts. Everybody's okay with that because everybody does a lot of projects. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of mix everything together. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can, it's a show. <laughs> it it's an open together. phone show, so you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. So call in with whatever you want to call in with. Right. Okay. So Joe says I was listening to Free Talk Live, and I got wondering what a liberty-minded person like yourself thinks about the gutting of the net neutrality regulations by the FCC recently. Now ISP companies are charging high-volume services like Netflix, higher per-bit bandwidth charges than the other services. And since ISPs like Verizon and Comcast also produce content, they are free to offer their content and service at lower rates than, say, Netflix or Hulu, uh, or use the income from them to finance competitive content. This could lead to a situation where ISPs become like the railroad monopolies of the 1800s. Eventually, the ISPs would control not only bandwidth delivery, but the content that flows over it. They drove out all the competitors for both bandwidth and content, or they drive out all the competitors for both bandwidth and content. This is why the common carriage laws were passed. Thanks, Joe. Okay. What do you think, Brian? Is the internet going to become monopolized by certain ISPs who control everything? Um, without the protection of the government. Okay. In, in my, you have to understand where net neutrality starts and it starts from a, a system called corporatism, which is an unholy union yes. of corporations and the state mm-hmm. at any level. Okay. Uh, there are net neutrality, you know, you People want to like blame one side. One side wants to blame the government. The other side says, oh, no, the government's not the problem. It's the companies. It's, it's the companies. Um, and they're both to blame. They're both at fault because one's lobbying the other and the other exists allowing, you know, the, allowing the, the lobby, allowing the lobby, allowing the system allowing the lobby to have that kind of control. Yeah. I mean, but I think before we have um, a discussion about net neutrality, we have to kind of examine how did ISPs get to the state where they are today, which is that there are very few of them and there are big conglomerates. Right. Those all exist at the behest of the state. And in fact, they lobby uh, federal, state and local governments for laws that keep out competition and ensure that they do have monopolies. I mean, if you look at maps of the coverage of um, certain uh, ISPs in geographic regions, it is literally like one ISP covers a giant swath of land and there's really not much competition in terms of who you can get internet service from. Right. And so that to me is a big problem. They, They actually have laws about laying down fiber, you know, where you can't you can't just go and lay down fiber. You have to get the city council permission and they're in the pocket of Comcast or Verizon or whatever. Right. And it just doesn't happen. And so until we find solutions around this that lower the barriers for entry for other ISPs to come in and compete, it's it's not going to solve the problem because that's the root of it. it it's not... The, Net neutrality uh, regulated by the government and enforced by the government is a Band-Aid to fix a problem that already exists, but it doesn't address the root issue. No. You know, it's, people are saying we need the government to make a law that mandates that the ISPs um, char- don't charge different prices for different bandwidth or whatever, um, when that wouldn't be a problem necessarily if there was more competition in who can be an ISP. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. I mean, the government... 
you know, okay, the corporate, let's, the government is what actually, you know, that's what makes sure that there's no competition. Government is what allows companies like Comcast and Time Warner to be as big as they are because they don't allow for competition. Because it's, it's bottom line, the state is the one that says, no, you can't lay down fiber. Okay. Now, but where is the state, you know, where is that idea coming from for the state? Because the state, you know, could charge a company and, you know, tax a company to say, okay, you can lay down fiber, but you got to pay us this much. But instead, Verizon or Comcast, you know, essentially lobbies, thus pays off the government saying, no, don't let them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it's it's behooves the government to take the money from Verizon or Comcast or whatever large one. And so that's what government actually allows these companies to be the big wigs that they are. Okay, without Absolutely. without any competition. It's so, hard to see that, but it's important to right. point out because that is the root cause of yeah, all of this and problem. And it seems paradoxical, but it's it's how it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and th- one is one is just the strong arm, you know, and the other is the idea, and they just work <laughs> together. Uh, yeah, just and, like cigarette companies, actually they actually want regulation. Right. Like Philip Morris, they want regulation that says no, you can't advertise you know, no, you can't uh, start up a new cigarette company because that keeps out their competition. They have lawyers to be able to deal with that. Right. You know, Walmart, they want regulation. They want certain labor laws and stuff because they have lawyers and they have the ability to deal with that as a big corporation. They can absorb those costs. Yeah. The small competitors who are trying to start businesses, they don't have a chance. Yeah. That's why, you know, more and more today you see big companies that are, are increasingly centralized. Maybe they're absorbing other companies, doing mergers and stuff. But they're, it's very hard, especially in certain industries. When was the last time you saw a health insurance company start up? Oh, yeah. It doesn't, I, don't, no. I don't remember at all. But no. I'm not talking about mergers here. I'm talking about a new company. Totally new, yeah. And I don't remember when that's happened because it's impossible to do that. The amount of regulations, the amount of restrictions, and the amount of anti-competition laws... Uh, just makes it impossible. Right. And, and I want to give a good example of how things work when the government doesn't get involved. Now, the government, by and large, is not involved in Bitcoin. Okay. They're doing some things here. There's some cases here and there. But by and large, they're not like laying out the laws on Bitcoin. Okay. So when Apple, you know, blocks pretty much every wallet out of the, you know, native wallet out of the App Store. For Bitcoin. For Bitcoin. Yeah. What happens is, is everybody, and we've seen plenty of people do this, they either blow up their iPhones, you know, or they shoot them, and then they go and buy an Android, okay? Because the government isn't saying to companies, you have to support Bitcoin, the choice is allowed to happen, okay? And, <laughs> yeah, and that's a-, a good point. Yeah, and, and Apple, you know, doesn't become like this this monolithic thing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even though it is in other ways. But this is just, just an example of what happens when you don't have the force of government to back the decision of a company, okay? Because what can happen is, is that... It, <laughs> when it, would government... Could you ever even imagine government saying to phone providers, you have to support Bitcoin? I mean, they would never do that either. No, so no, that, that's not going to happen. Even when, like, be careful when you ask the government for regulations that supposedly benefit you, because usually the government does not is not acting in pro-consumer <laughs> ways. They are in the back pocket of right. corporations, and they're going to rule, you know, make laws that favor them, not right. that favor you. Yeah, absolutely. And the other point that, that a lot of people are missing is like, well, okay, yeah, but we're in this present world. The government has to do something about this. The government has to keep them from being able to do this multi-tiered internet that Comcast is talking about. Uh, they can. This is, this is the thing, is that they don't need the net neutrality laws to do it. The FCC 
can regulate wireless transmissions. Okay. Right now. And they don't, you know, and they won't mm -hmm. because they're all buddy, buddy with these corporations. All right. And so that's the thing is that like, you're, you're wanting to come up with a law to solve this. The, the FCC can already do it all pretty much. Okay. Because I mean, how many people really, how many people still run on the hard line of Ethernet? Nobody Not does many. that. Most computers, laptops and everything sold today are, are being sold without Ethernet ports on them because everything's wireless. Right. Okay. And so... You yeah, know, sometimes I wish I had an Ethernet port. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay. So, so the FCC could solve this whole problem instantaneously. No new laws required and they do not do it. Okay. So you got to understand that these two are in bed. Don't look for, I don't look to the big corporations. Don't look to government for the solution mm. because they could solve it and they don't. Absolutely. And I, I hope that answers your question, Joe, you know, keep the feedback coming. We love to hear from our listeners a show at Sorry, email show at sexandsciencehour.com if you have a comment you want to share with us. Um, we did actually get a couple of emails about our Liberty discussion that we had a couple weeks ago oh with, with Terry. I don't <laughs> think we have time to broach the subject right now. And that was a pretty... We could that, do it all that was show our, long. That was we our weekly libertarian screed, yeah. Brian, for the last uh, email. Yeah. So I think we'll just e end off with this last email that we got. This was a doozy. This really kind of bugged us. Um we got an email from somebody who listened to the very first show of Sex and Science Hour, was turned off because he heard a discussion of creationism and evolution. And oh. we only have a couple minutes left. Um, but this person basically said, certain subjects should not be talked about. You shouldn't have even brought this up. And especially you shouldn't be giving opinions on it when you're biased. Well, I just would like to let everybody know this is an opinion show. We are not claiming to be unbiased, objective journalists, and there are no unbiased, objective journalists. We're talking about things that mean something to us, yeah. and we're trying to do an entertaining show. I'm sorry if this offended you. I actually thought that particular discussion was quite fair, and I was—I mean, <laughs> I was actually kind of pro-Christian. Gave a lot of credit to yeah. the other side. Yeah, um, and I'll say this: when someone tells you you can't talk about something. You start talking about it. Exactly. Right away. Then you know you're on the right track. So That's thank right. you, listener, for pointing us in the right direction. Yeah. You know, you don't have to listen to our show. You're always, there's an off button on your radio, on your computer. Uh, feel free to use it if you don't like what we're saying. But if you do, we thank you and we can encourage you to continue listening. And have if you fun like, with us. If you like part of what we say, get, send us an email. Let <laughs> us know. <laughs> this is Sex and Science Hour, and thanks for tuning in. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week.